Welcome to the Contemporary Worship Service. We are delighted that you have joined us. Well, we are so excited that we are going to begin in-person worship on October 11th for all three services, 9, 10, and 11. Our guiding principle for this season of reopening and COVID is that we get to take care of each other. If you are planning to join us live, we will ask that you make a reservation. So beginning Monday, October 5th, you can make a reservation for the upcoming service that week. The reservations will be open until Friday at noon or when we fill up with reservations with the number of people that we are safe to have social distancing. So we encourage you to register online if you're able to. But if that's a challenge for you, please call the front office. We will help you out, and we look forward to being together in person. But to stay safe, we will be requiring you to wear a mask while you're on the campus and all the way throughout the worship service. In our contemporary service, we are planning on recording it live in the campus center, and then we will push that out to our social media platforms. While we are worshiping together, we are going to refrain from singing and spraying. We are going to refrain from shaking hands and hugging, all those things that we just love to do. But here's the thing, just think about it this way. We get to practice some of those upcoming fruit of the Spirit, self-control, patience, all in our effort to keep one another safe and to take care of each other. Well, we still have a couple of days left in September to fulfill the challenge that Pastor Steve gave us to write a love letter to someone, maybe even to God. So we hope that you will do this really great practice. We also have time to sign up for the book discussion that we are having on Monday night, September 28th, and you can sign up until noon. We are going to be talking about the book, The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. We are trying to be about this process of learning and understanding our history so that we can, as a church, do our part to stand against racism and other forms of injustice. All of this, of course, is in the name of Jesus who embodies love, peace, and justice for all of God's children. So we hope that you'll sign up on that Monday by noon. Join us for the conversation, which of course is on Zoom. God in Hollywood continues this week, Wednesday night at 6.30. You can join Pastor Steve to discuss the movie Chariots of Fire. Again, register online for that Zoom link. Well, we now have the opportunity to worship God with our tithes and our offering. And what an, what an honor to bring to God the first of what we have because it all comes from God. We are so grateful for your generosity. The four ways to give, of course, are on your screen. And we are just honored and privileged to be able to be on this journey with you as we love God and love neighbor. Well, now we want to invite you to watch a short video to see what love is to some of the members of our congregation.
we do have an amazing God and we have a God who loves us enough to bend low to hear the whispers of all of his children. So we are at that time in our service where we have the chance to offer our prayers to God. And as always, we encourage you to send to us any prayer requests. You can send those to Lori's email address, alhas at churchofthepalms.org, and we would be glad to include uh, your prayer requests in our prayers on Sunday morning. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we are grateful this morning when we remember what the apostle said when he said that love started with you. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and gave us his son to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Oh, how grateful we are that you first loved us, O oh Lord, for where would we be? Where would we be without that love that breathed us into being? Where would we be without that love that surrounded us with the love of your creation? Where would we be without that love that is willing to forgive us for our deepest sins and bury them in the deepest sea? Where would we be without that love that will be there waiting for us in the end with open arms welcoming us home? Where would we be? We praise you for your amazing and unending love. And we praise you that you love us enough to conspire with us to love the world. You involve us in this great conspiracy to love the world back into a new creation. For in Christ's love, we are a new creation. For in Christ's love through us, we start putting the world back together again. And we know, oh God, that the world needs putting back together again. We feel like we're falling apart. We feel like we're tearing at the seams. We feel like we're cracking down the middle. Oh God, recruit us into your campaign of love. Conscript us into the army of reconciliation. Give us the marching orders to build bridges and heal wounds and clothe the naked and feed the hungry and reveal the agape love of your son. Give us ears to hear, O oh God, the cries of your children. Give us hearts to feel the pain. Give us minds to dream of a new dream. And give us wills to do something about it. For the love begins with you, and the love continues with us. For if we love one another, God abides in us, and God's love is perfected in us. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So what a joy it is for me today to welcome to our worship this day, Kelvin Lumpkin. Kelvin is the senior pastor of Light of the World International Church here in Sarasota. Kelvin and I started having lunch together right at the beginning of the year, and we agreed back then that it would be a good thing for our congregations to begin to form a sister church relationship. Many of you remember Kelvin uh, from several months ago when he was gracious enough to join me in a pastor-to-pastor -pastor conversation in the wake of the George Floyd killing back in the early summer. And a couple weeks ago, I was honored to preach over at Kelvin's church, and now he's returning the favor and will be sharing the word with us today about the fourth Greek word, agape love. I am so grateful for you, my friend, for your being here, and we are blessed to have you preach with our congregation today. So, God bless you. Good morning to my Church of the Palms family. And I, I do believe we are family. Um, First, let me just express how grateful I am to be here with you, to share with you in the Word of God. Even though we are not physically together, we're, we're on the same wavelength. We're, 
we're on the same frequency. We're one in the spirit, and I'm, I'm just so happy and honored to be here. I want to thank uh, my dear friend and brother, Pastor Steve McConnell, for the opportunity to share uh, with this congregation. I don't take that lightly at all. Uh, he preached uh, at our church a couple weeks ago, so I've got to bring my A-game today because he was awesome. I mean, God really used him to preach the Word of God. And so I'm so excited to be here. Um, we've been preaching here, uh, pastor's been preaching here on, on the fruit of the Spirit for nine months and, and on love. And so with that in mind, I want to invite uh, our attention to Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 28, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And I'm going to read from the NIV. Here is God's word. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Amen. Here's God's word. I want to begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this moment together. I'm so grateful for this moment to share with you people. And no matter how gifted the preacher or the teacher, it is your spirit that causes us to be effective. So uh, we appeal now to the, to the ministry of your Holy Spirit to help us, help both the preacher and the hearer. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church, that our hearts and our minds will be attentive and receptive today. And we don't want just an exchange of information. We definitely don't want to be entertained, but I pray that this is a moment of transformation. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have your way. Help both the preacher and, and the hearer today. May we be transformed, and we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in that name we pray. Amen. As I was prepping for this message, um, I found myself being challenged by the word itself. That's actually the secret sauce of preaching for me, is that I've got to not only study it and give it to you, but I've got to let the word challenge me. If the word doesn't challenge me, then I can't preach it. And as I read the words of Jesus in this passage, I began to challenge, do I really understand what love is? Do I understand what love is? I know that many of us have a cultural definition of love, but what's the biblical definition of love? So I conducted my own survey. I started asking a few friends and family, how would you define love? How would you define love? And, and they confirmed my suspicions that everyone I asked had quite a difficult time putting into words and expressing exactly what love is. Everybody gave a different kind of definition, but most struggle with defining it. And the ones who did have a kind of halfway good definition had more of a cultural definition than a biblical definition. Then I began to wonder that if, if my sample survey is a microcosm of the culture or how most people think about love, then it's no wonder that I spend so much time in relationship counseling. As a matter of fact, most of the counseling in our church is relationship counseling because maybe we don't really understand what love is. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we have a flawed definition of what love is and don't really know how to give love well or to receive love well. But when you study the words, and not just the words, but the actions of Jesus, your definition of love may be radically redefined. 
In this particular passage, Jesus is having one of many confrontations with teachers of the law, the scribes who are always trying to entrap him. And some are genuinely, genuinely interested in what he has to say because his teaching is like no other. And in this particular passage, Jesus is having another one of these debates. And one of the scribes, one of the teachers of the law, asks him, uh, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus answers and says, the most important commandment is this, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your strength, and the second is like it. Or really what he's saying is the second is just like the other side of the same coin, is to love your neighbor as yourself. That, that, that these two really are, are almost one and the same, that, that your love for God is expressed by your love for people. And then Jesus says that on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, everything, and there are many laws and, and ordinances of God, and they're all important, but Jesus says that these are the priority commandments. That, in other words, if you master commandment one and two, then you've got all the commandments. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets because if you love God, if you truly learn to love God, then you got to love me. There's no way you can love God and not love me. And if you love me, then you've got all the other commandments because if you love me, you won't covet my silver. You won't covet my wife. You won't kill me. If you master these two commandments, then you've got everything. But what Jesus is asking us isn't easy. <laughs> He's saying these are the priority commandments that you ought to give all your energy to. But, but, but what the text doesn't, well, what the text implies is that, that this isn't easy. Love, giving love in a healthy way isn't easy because reality is, because of our sinful nature, none of us can really fully love in a healthy way. None of, none of us, in our own strength rather, is capable of truly loving in a healthy way. And one of the reasons why is because none of us have really gotten 100% healthy love, and we kind of love, we love the way we've been loved. And, and, and the reality is we all come from some level of dysfunction. Uh, I heard somebody say the other day, I come from a dysfunctional family, and I want to I find someone who doesn't come from one. Now, some may be more dysfunctional than others, but all of us are the victims of some level of dysfunction. And our, our kind of love is often toxic. Uh, on his best day, it's toxic. And on the worst day, it's abusive because we, none of us is fully capable of fully giving healthy love because our, in our culture, love is self-serving. We, we're, we're investing love where we think we're going to get a return. But, but the kind of love that Jesus is talking about in this passage is not the, the cultural kind of love. This is the kind of love where, where I love even if I'm not appreciated for loving. I love even if I don't get a return on my investment right away. I may never be appreciated, but I, but I give with no expectation. And we live in a day where, where people will just drop their spouse like nothing. They'll break relationship. They'll break covenant. There's no loyalty because we're only giving love when we think we're going to get a return. But Jesus is saying this is a different kind of love. This is a love that is beyond the world. It is beyond your flesh. I'm calling you to, this is a sacrificial kind of love. This, this kind of love can only be measured by the level of your sacrifice. It's not just an emotional love. It's not, it's not romantic dinners and candlelights. It's not feel good. This is, a, this, is a, this is the kind of love that's risky. This kind of love, matter of fact, when you love this kind of way, you can't love this kind of way without getting hurt. Because inevitably, whoever, this, is a, this is a mature kind of love because whoever you love eventually hurts you. 
You can't love because this is a vulnerable love. This is a love where I'm not hedging my bets, where I don't have up a wall, where I, where I make myself vulnerable, and, and, and inevitably, whoever I love is going to hurt me. I promise you, think about it. Name one person that you loved uh, for long who hasn't hurt you. Your parents hurt you. Your spouse hurt you. Your kids will hurt you. But, but this is a mature love that keeps on loving even when it doesn't feel good. So he asks us and commands, he doesn't ask us, he commands us to, to, to love in this kind of way. But this is difficult because my flesh is incapable of loving. So, so the question is, the tension of the text is, how do I fulfill these commandments? <laughs> how do I love in, in a way where, where my love isn't abusive, it isn't toxic, but, but I actually become a blessing to those who God has called me to love? And Jesus answers us in the text. Here is the key to loving in a healthy and mature and godly way. As a matter of fact, I believe this is really the sign of your Christian maturity. I believe how you love is really the, the barometer, the measure of how you've truly been transformed by Christ. It's not the knowledge you have, not the Greek and Hebrew you know, but how you love, especially those who don't love you back, especially those who, who hate you. If you can keep on loving, that, that's when you know you're growing in the things of God. And he shows us, here is, here is how you love in a healthy way. And here's why we don't love, is that we love out of order. We love out of sequence. Jesus has not just given us a formula, but he shows us that, that how to love in the right order. Uh, my, my daughter, uh, my baby daughter is in gifted classes. I'm proud of her. And, and she's already, she's in third grade, and they're starting to learn algebra. But you can't do algebra until you've mastered basic adding and subtracting. You can't learn multiplication until you learn how to add and subtract, and you definitely can't learn algebra unless you've mastered the previous things. You've got to master basic math before you can go to algebra, geometry, trigonometry. You've got to master each one. And what Jesus is saying is, if you're going to love your neighbor right, you've got to master the first kind of love. First of all, here's the, here is the order. You've got to love upward first. Then you love inward, then you can love outward. You see it in the text? Here is the order, love upward, love inward, and then you can love outward. He's saying here's the first order, is to love God with all your heart. He says to, in other words, let me, let me put it in the Kelvin Lumpkin translation. You, you've got to pursue God, not just because of what he can do for you, but love him just because of who he is. This isn't a Santa Claus version of God that we seek only to, to fulfill our wish list. We're not seeking him just because he, he can do something for us. I think that's a problem today in the culture and in the church where many of, our, many of us, our prayer life is just about what God can do for us. And then when God doesn't come through, uh, we, we are on to the next religion or to the next solution. But he's saying pursue God above what he can do for you. Pursue him for who he is. This is the kind of devotion that God is requiring. You remember those three Hebrew boys uh, when, when King Nebuchadnezzar throws them in the fiery furnace. Now, this is devotion here. He throws them in, devotion, in the fiery furnace. They're, they're confident that the God they serve is able to deliver them from the furnace. But here's what I love. But they just, and this is devotion, but they say, King, even if he doesn't do it, <laughs> we're still committed to him. We're not going to bow. And this is the kind of commitment that we need, that if God doesn't do it, we still ought to pursue him anyways. Love him with all your heart. Pray to him, not for what he can do for you, but God, how can I serve you? Be devoted to him. 
But then there's something else that happens. When I love vertically, there's something that happens. He says, love your neighbor, but he says, here's the kicker, love him, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, I, when I love God, once I'm in his presence, when I seek him, I then begin to see my own self in an amazing new way. I begin to value myself in an amazing way. And this is important. Don't you miss this step because, because here, here is, right here in the text is, I believe, the aim of our Christian walk. Here, here is the goal. Not that I become famous or big, but that I, that I become a channel between God and man. That, that I become an effective conduit that, that God can work through so that he can use me to bless my neighbor. That's what I want. I want God, I want God to use me. I want him to work through me so that I can bless the people around me. And do you understand that at the end of the day that you are a solution to somebody's problem? That's what, listen, if your calling only blesses you, then it's not from God. That's ambition. But, but at the end of the day, God wants to work through you to bless somebody else and to transform this situation. And so if I'm going to be an effective conduit, I've got to receive his love for me. I've got to love him, and then I've got to be able to receive, and this is important because some people don't know how to receive love. This is why abusive situations and abusive relationships are appealing to some people. That's why abusive churches are appealing, because some have such a faulty view of self that they can't believe that they're loved. That's why some people's concept of God is so distorted. That's why they see him more as a punisher than, than a redeemer, because they have a poor concept. But I've got to embrace who he says I am and what he says about me if I'm going to love my neighbor, because the benchmark for how I love others is how I love myself. <laughs> I've got to love neighbors as I love myself. And, and, and until you get that, you'll never be able to be in healthy relationships. I was talking to a friend today uh, whose boyfriend had such conflict and fights and, and it got crazy, but he would always say, you're too good for me. I'm not worthy of you. And I said, there's this problem. As long as he believes and sees himself of unworthy of you and unworthy of love, you're going to always have conflict. Because God, listen, you can't, a self-hater can't effectively love anybody else. And then if you get two self-haters together, then you really got fireworks. But until I love myself, I cannot effectively love others. And so I've got to receive what God has, who he says I am. I've got to embrace his love. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. And then once I've lo I love myself, once I believe what he says about me, then I can love you the way that God wants you to be loved. He says that if you master these things, you got it. It's not that deep. You don't have to go to seminary. But if you master these, two, these commandments, then everything else is gravy. He says, then, then I, you can be my instrument to transform the world. I literally believe that, that God is using me as a middleman, not just to my city, but to my community. I, I, for some reason, I have this burden for the down and out. I have this burden for the drug dealer. Some years ago, some pastors were criticizing me because they said, he's the pastor of the drug dealers. <laughs> All the drug dealers come to this church, and, and I knew they meant it as an insult, but I thought, thank you. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. Because I want God to use me as his middleman. I, I want him to work through me 
to show individuals. I don't know why I've never done drugs. I've never sold them. I, I don't know why I have an affinity uh, for, for the folk in the street, but, but God has used me as a middleman to, to get to those folk. And I thank God for that. And do you know that you are a middleman, a middle woman that God wants to work through to reach somebody else? Who does God want to love through you? I think you ought to ask yourself that question. Who, who am I called to? Is it orphans? Is it to another race? Uh, but God wants you to be his middleman. He wants to love through you. He wants to love you. And here's the great thing, that if God can love through you, he can get love to you. Jesus says, this is it. It's not that deep. If you master these two commandments, then you understand what love is. That's what love is. Love is an action verb. It's inconvenient. It's, it's sacrifice. It, it, it's tears sometimes. It's, I prayed this prayer, and I'll, I'll close. And that's why you got to stop repeating what you hear other people say. I heard a preacher, favorite, one of my favorite preachers says, you know, uh, he, he quoted his mother. He says, my mother used to always pray, Lord, enlarge my heart so I can love people more. I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds like a great prayer. I pray this prayer, <laughs> and I almost regret it praying it later because here's how you know you really love. Here's how you grow in love, and it's not when people are loving you back. <laughs> Your capacity to love people doesn't always come in good times. It comes when your heart is broken. It comes when you've been lied on. It comes when you've been misunderstood. And that's really how your capacity to love grows. And I prayed that prayer, and as I was going through a particular storm, I'm going through the why me's and asking God, why me? Why me? I'm trying to do my best. And I heard the Spirit of God say, you ask me to enlarge your heart <laughs> so that you can love people more. And so it was actually through offense that I learned that my capacity to love began to grow. Yeah, l love isn't for the immature. Love is for grown folk. But God wants us to love. And, that, and that's, isn't that what we need now? This has been the craziest year that I've ever seen. And it's not over yet. <laughs> We've still got some months to go. This has been a crazy year with COVID, with racial unrest, with police shootings, with uh, a crazy political climate. Politics are getting crazier and crazier. And, and where will we stand in the midst of this? I'm not worried, but I'm grieved at how I see Christians acting in these debates. I believe that the body of Christ has to be above the fray. We've got to be above politics. I believe that you ought to vote. I really do believe that. But my hope is not in the Democratic Party. It's not in the Republican Party. My hope is not in who's in the White House. And I believe that's important, but I know who's on the throne. That's who my hope is in, is who's sitting on the throne. And no matter what happens this November or the rest of this year, I want to love in a way that healing happens and transformation happens. God bless you. Love you. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your word. And I pray that your word would have free course and that we would all be transformed by your love. Lord, teach us how to love in a healthy way. I pray that you heal the brokenhearted. I pray that, that you use us. I volunteer, and I believe there's somebody who's listening who is volunteering to be used by you to spread your love. So, Lord, use us, we ask. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you, family. I've heard thousand stories of what they 
Calvin, my friend, thank you so very much. What a wonderful blessing you have been to our 
congregation. You have uh, helped us to understand even more our mission statement of loving God and loving neighbor and to experience the sense of agape love and what it means for us to love God and love ourselves and love our neighbor. So thank you so much for all of what you have done to uh, inspire us and encourage us as we seek to live out our lives in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the uh, great gift that you give us in your son, Jesus Christ, who reveals to us how much you love us, who invites us to love you back, and who helps us to understand that not only are we loved, but through us you seek to love your world. So we pray, O Lord, that you will allow your Holy Spirit to engender in us all that which would be a gift from you through us to those that are so desperate in need of your love that the world might become truly a more loving place. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.